0: i like to start with something funny, like Joel Osteen always says. I don't know if it's working, he's got a pretty big church down there in Houston. I heard this story about a farmer. He was passing by uh, an insane asylum. And there there's a guy out in the yard there, it's all fenced in. And the inmate, he howled at the farmer, he says, what are you hauling? And the farmer said, fertilizer. And the inmate says to the farmer, he says, what are you going to do with it? The farmer says, I'm going to put it on my strawberries. The inmate says, we put cream on our strawberries and they call us crazy. (laughs) I got a kick out of that. Anyway, so let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for who you are. Just for who you are, if you never did anything else for us, what you've already done is beyond words. We're so grateful and so thankful, as we've been singing and telling you today, for your tremendous sacrifice for us. And out of your great love for us, you sent the Holy Spirit to be with us forever, the Bible says, You sent him to be with us forever because you loved us. And so we want to thank you and praise you for that. And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning, Lord. And so we ask you, Spirit of God, the one who inspired the word, to minister life to each one of us through the word, something for this one, something for that one. And Lord, we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being with us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking about prayer for a good while, and we're going to talk a little more along the lines of Pentecost, that kind of thing, uh, now. So we're going to begin in John 14, 15 to 18. Jesus is talking to his disciples here. Um, you know, he's washed their feet and different things and he's talking to them now and then he says several things here but uh, we just want to begin in verse 15 he says "If Jesus said if you love me keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may um, abide with you forever the spirit of truth Whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Wow. So there's a promise from Jesus himself. He's talking about another helper. The word another is a loss in the Greek. And it means one beside Another of the same kind. So Jesus is giving us another one just like himself to be with us. Hallelujah. And helper is the famous word paracletus that you're all familiar with. It means counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, teacher, comforter, one call alongside. So what is Jesus saying to us here? He's saying, I'm giving you one beside me, but just like me. In my physical absence, he will do what I would do if physically present with you. That's what he's telling us. Because the things that Jesus did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, he's our example. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A couple things about the Holy Spirit. He is your partner as you participate together in doing God's will. That's good. The Holy Spirit is your partner in participating together with you in doing God's will. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The Holy Spirit loves you. And here's one thing I can't stress enough. He longs, He longs to fellowship with you. The Holy Spirit longs to fellowship with you. And we fellowship with Jesus in prayer and talk to Him and all those kinds of things. But sometimes we just kind of forget about the Holy Spirit even though He's right here with us and in us if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we can see here in verse 17, He called Him the Spirit of truth, Jesus did, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He will be with you and will be in you. So He makes a distinction between the Holy Spirit being with you and the Holy Spirit being in you. Jesus made the distinction, not me. It's great that the Holy Spirit is with us. But it's a whole nother ball game when the Holy Spirit is in you. Because when He's in you, He brings with Him all the gifts of the Spirit and all those things are available to us. And it's my opinion, you can disagree with this if you want to, this is just my opinion. This is not Bible. That there's a new level of authority that comes when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'll look at a scripture that makes me believe that later on. <clears throat> so he's a spirit of truth. And it says that he, will, he dwells with them. He's telling his disciples, but he's going to dwell in you. He's talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, of course. The Holy Spirit was given primarily not so we could have this gift or that gift. He was given primarily that we would be a witness to Jesus and to minister his life. If we went up a few verses in John uh, 14, 12, that's not in your notes, but it just says that um, the work I do He will do also in greater works, Jesus said. He's talking about when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll do the same works that Jesus did. Now, He sent the Holy Spirit to be with us so we could be little Jesus and walk the earth, filled with the Holy Spirit, doing the same things that He did. Yes, we're sinners, but the Holy Spirit will... Guide you and lead you just like he did Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's look at Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. It says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, talking to his disciples, but to wait for the promise of the Father when he said, you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy spirit. Not many days from now. So here Jesus is giving a command. He says, don't you boys go out there and try to do this on your own. You're going to get in big trouble. Wait till you're filled with the Holy spirit and then go do the works that I did. Don't try to go do it on your own. That's, That's not a, uh, maybe if, whatever you want to do, that's a command not to go. That's how important it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's just telling them, don't try to do this until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because he knew how inadequate we are in our own strength. You know, every time I minister somewhere, whether it's here or somewhere else, I always feel inadequate. You know, if it wasn't for God's Word and His Spirit, you know, I would have to be digging a ditch somewhere or something. So it's just important. Um, so when the Holy Spirit comes in, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and He brings with Him all these gifts, these supernatural gifts. And I'm looking at a lot of them out here right now. And some of them are unwrapped. You know, you can get a present for Christmas and not unwrap it. never know what's in there. So you need to use the gift that God has given you. We need, let me say this, we need to love one another enough to use the gift that God has given us, working through us, to bless the body of Christ. Okay, the gifts aren't to make us look good on Sunday morning, to bless the body of Christ. And so we need to love each other enough to use whatever gift God has given us. And most people have more than one. <clears throat> and a lot of times they overlap. So I'm encouraging you to use your gift. Next week is a good opportunity. And when we worship later. Hallelujah. So right here in Acts, look at Acts 1.8. So, the main purpose of the Holy Spirit coming was not, for, not to have these gifts. They're just window dressing. They just come along with them. But it's for us to be empowered to be a witness for Jesus. It says, But you shall receive power, looking about the baptism, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. That's your hometown. That's your community wherever you live. In Judea, that's nationally. That's Maine to California. And uh, Washington to Florida. Oh yeah, Alaska's in there too. Then it says to Samaria. Samaria is cross-culturally. The Samaritans were made up of different people. They were looked down upon by the Jews. And then it says, to the ends of the earth, that's internationally. So he covers everything right, right there in that one verse. He says, you're going to receive power, dudamus, force, miracle power, might, why? To be a witness in these places I just mentioned. Now, there's more than one way to be a witness. You can be a witness to someone just by the way you live your life. You know, we got good Christian families here. Some of them have you know, a whole car full of children, and they're just good witnesses to other people, the way they are living their life, without even saying anything. And the most common way is to share what Jesus did for you. You know, everybody's got one sermon. If you're born again, that's what Jesus did for me, how you got saved. You know, you don't have to be a preacher to share the gospel. In fact, if everybody would, if everybody would reach one person a week, we'd soon have the world evangelized. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So we're right here in Acts. Let's go to go to Acts chapter two. We'll look at Pentecost. Acts chapter two. <coughs> uh, when the day of, excuse me, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that means the completion of time. We all know that God has a timing. Amen? Amen, somebody. He's got a timing. You know, I'm always, it seems like I'm always ahead. You know, I want things done before they happen. And they're in his timing. And his timing is perfect because he knows things that I don't know. Lots of things that I don't know. (laughs) So his timing is perfect. But it says there that they were in one accord That means they were unanimously of one mind. I can't imagine being unanimously of one mind, everybody that was there. That equals power. If we could quit fighting in the church over doctrines and just unite behind the flag of Jesus Christ... We'd be the most powerful force. We are, but we're fighting. There's no unity. And that's why I take my hat off to Tom and the group that he's working with in our area. And there's other places around the country. There's a hot spot in Arizona that I've heard about and where a lot of good things are happening because there's unity between different churches. You know, just forget what's on the front door. And just look at him as a brother and sister in Christ. So they were of one accord. And it doesn't say it was a wind, it says it was the sound of wind. That suggests the might of an unseen power of the Holy Spirit. It was the sound of wind. You know we just had a big typhoon over in the Philippines that uh, did a lot of damage to the Bible school over there. We've been pretty fortunate. They get 25 a year, and we haven't been hit um, for a long time. They've been north or south of us. This one was right in our area. And so we lost the roof on the main building and stuff like that. And the only wooden structure we had was a building that was partly there when we bought the land. We just renovated it for a kitchen, and that was destroyed. All the buildings we built are still standing because they're built out of cement, concrete, and re-rod. But this one wasn't. So we got to rebuild this year. Um, So that was a a wind. But the wind of the Spirit is mighty and powerful than any typhoon. Then it says they had divided tongues of fire that they could see. And one of the words used to describe that in the Greek is lightning. You know, lightning is is more of a action word, you know, powerful lightning type of thing. Uh, <clears throat> so it was God's divine plan to give us the Holy Spirit. Because he knew, as I said before, how inadequate Warren is on his own. You know, I wear slip-on shoes, I don't even tie my own shoes. I do know how to tie shoes, but just in case you're wondering. And he didn't want those, his disciples to leave until they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, because he knew they were going to fall flat on their spiritual face. And they went out there and tried to do these things. God's will is for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Even though God gave us His Word, He sent Jesus, He sent the Holy Spirit, basically emptied heaven for us, there still some problems. One of them is a portion of the church doesn't believe in the things of the Spirit, thinks they were just for um, starting the church, you know, healings and miracles and all that. It was just for getting the church going. It's not for today. Um, that's one of the problems. Because God wants everybody to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, walking around, doing the things that Jesus did, and we can't do that unless we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. He, he did some awesome stuff. Hebrews 13.8 tells us this. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever... What he did then he will do now. Amen? Amen. Amen. Nothing has changed. Just that one scripture refutes that whole business. So and they're good people. that's not it. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. They just and you can get to heaven without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But you miss out on bunches of things if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's His will for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was His will for His first disciples so that they could do the things that He did. He wants the same for you and me. The exact same thing. You know, it's out of His great love that He sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. And Where would we be without Him? Just stop and think a minute. We'd be in big trouble. And church would have no power at all. The second thing is more of a subtle problem um, and is found in Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, if any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So it's talking about the fellowship of the Spirit. Hmm. You might say, well, what that's got, what's that got to do with anything? So these people, a good portion of the church, um, does believe that these things are for today. But they don't see... Much happening. There's no fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Um, If you don't fellowship with the Holy Spirit, there will be no intimacy with Him. If there's no fellowship with the Holy Spirit, He doesn't know if He can trust you. I've had three experiences. <clears throat> One, I was born again, thankfully, finally, at 35 years old. That was just a couple years ago. <laughs> then I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Nine months later, I wouldn't have had to wait nine months. It could have been nine minutes later, but it was nine months later. And then some years later. I got to know the Holy Spirit by fellowshipping with Him. And that changed my life. It changed my ministry. Everything changed when I began to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus and the Father are in heaven. The Holy Spirit is right here with us. It's one just like Jesus that He gave us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we kind of just ignore him unless we need something. You know, I need you to heal grandpa of cancer. Boom. But the rest of the time, we don't have anything to do with him. So all I'm saying is, we need to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Because he wants to get to know you better, too. He wants to know... See, if you had... uh, In the natural, you wouldn't give somebody the power of attorney over your affairs that you didn't know. Amen? I mean, that would be just dumber than dumb. So why would God give us, um, why would the Holy Spirit not give us all the things that are available to us if he doesn't know he can trust us with him? You see what I'm saying? It's the same kind of thing. You have to trust in the natural somebody that you're going to give power turning to. You have to trust spiritually the one who's going to... He needs to trust us. And he can't do that if we never spend any time with him. The only way to really get to know somebody is to spend time with him. <clears throat> so... That's... The first part of this was God's will that we're all baptized in the Holy Spirit. He sent one just like him to be like, these are the two problems that he gave me. Maybe more, but these two here. And the first one can be resolved by just agreeing that God hasn't changed and get baptized in the Holy Spirit and start doing the things that Jesus did. That's not rocket science. So here in Philippians 2, 1 and 2, that word fellowship, right there in the first verse. It's a beautiful word in the Greek. It's koinonia. Koinonia. And it means, watch this now. It means partnership that involves participation, communication, communion. And they use a couple of strong words in there as well. They call it social intercourse. It's partnership that involves participation, communication and communion. And then they call it social intercourse. It's talking about a very intimate husband and wife relationship with the Holy Spirit. Who's with you and in you, or wants to be in you, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit? Very intimate relationship. You know, for years I had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. I believed in Him and all that. And just, you know, pay any attention to Him. So an intimate relationship doesn't happen overnight, it takes time. You know, just think in the natural. And you, you like somebody, you start dating them, there's a courtship time, all that, it might be several years. And uh, some people for eight, seven, eight eight years. All there's, most of the time it's just a couple years or months. But all that all happens before the marriage relationship consummates. And there's an intimate relationship. So it takes time. So we have to make a quality decision to develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit. I mean, He is a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. So just tell Him, you know, how much... Spend some time talking to Him. I'm going to give you some recommendations at the end. Um, and tell him how much you appreciate him. How much you appreciate his ministry to you. Stuff like that. You know, you tell him that you love him. Appreciate him. You know, if you've got a gift you desire, ask him to give you that gift. He gives him as he wills, but... He also gives us a desire of our hearts. Amen. So it doesn't cost anything to ask. That's not against the word of God. So, you know, we just need to love one another enough to use the gift that God gives us through us. You can ask for boldness to use your gift in the body of Christ. God's gift to you is meant to be a blessing to someone or to the whole church. And then thank the Holy Spirit that He's with you forever. Hallelujah. There's a wonderful example um, found in Acts chapter three, Uh, Acts chapter three, verse one. (coughs) You're all familiar with this story. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. And fixing his eyes on him, with John, talking about Peter, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leapt up, stood and walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, limping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was the... He who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Signs and wonders will follow those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. They wonder how this can be. Hallelujah. A couple of things to notice. This was the hour of prayer. So they went up to pray at the same time. Every day, it was a daily event. And says the beggar was laid there daily, every day. So they walked by this guy many times, no doubt. Just walked right on by him. But on this day, they were stopped by the Holy Spirit. I mean, they had to be. Otherwise, why wouldn't they just walk by like they did any other day? They were led by the Spirit to heal this man on this day. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit will lead you in the same way. You can train yourself to be sensitive to His promptings. You know, um, that's something that we'd be working on all the days of our life. Uh, I just wonder how many people I've walked by that God wanted to minister to. Especially when I'm going to the store. I'm always in a hurry. And I don't shop. I just go in and get whatever it is I went to the store for and leave. And, you know, I don't look around. I don't pay attention to the Holy Spirit. I'm getting better at it. But that's just been my nemesis for many years. I'm just always... Don't like shopping at all. <clears throat> so you can see in verse 4, and fixing his eyes on him, he asked for alms, and Peter fixed his eyes on him with John. He said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive from them, but he didn't know what he was going to receive. And the famous words, silver and gold have I not what I have I given to you. What did he have? He had the power of God in him. He possessed the power of the heel. Um, Just working through him. It was God's power, but it worked through him. He was a vessel, like a conduit for it. Just like you and I can be. But you have to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. It's so important. and You can train yourself to do that. To listen. Now... <clears throat> We're just going to look briefly um, in 1 Corinthians 12, where the nine gifts are listed there. Um, Beginning at verse 4, there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences in ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but in the same God who works all in all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. See, your gift is for the profit of somebody else. God's gift working through you. It's not to make you look good. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, it's another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each individual as he wills. Hallelujah. So there's nine supernatural gifts lifted, listed here. And a supernatural gift is a supernatural ability that's bestowed on, on someone by the Holy Spirit to meet the need of the moment, to heal Uncle Charlie's back over here, and then the gift is gone. And if you have another need over here for Aunt Mary, it may, it may come again. They're His gifts, they just work through you. But you have to make yourself available to be used by the Holy Spirit. We'll see that in a few minutes. Um, it has nothing to do with your natural ability. It's way beyond our natural ability. Therefore, a supernatural gift, each gift is a manifestation or a visible evidence of the Holy Spirit's activity. Because it's a supernatural gift, it's visible evidence of the Holy Spirit's activity. It's not something that you can do. These gifts are given to whom the Holy Spirit wills, and to bless people and to meet needs, and they're great evangelism tools. You know, I think that's one of the reasons he wanted them baptized in the Holy Spirit, because they'd have all these gifts at their disposal for evangelism, because they're great witnessing. And I've witnessed to people that didn't want to hear it, hear it, but they. Had their arm hanging down. This happened in Peevey when I was in Bible school a long time ago. I says, What's the matter with your arm? He says, I heard it at work. I don't know what he did, I can't remember. I says, Well, before you close the door, why don't you just let me say a prayer? Just take a minute. Okay, he said. Anyway, he prayed for the guy and his God healed him. And he says, Wow. I said, yeah, Jesus did that because he loves you. And I shared the gospel with him. He wouldn't let me share with him. He was just going to close the door. He didn't receive Jesus, but I planted plenty of seed. And he knew the healing was real. So, hallelujah. So these gifts are given by the Holy Spirit as he wills. And they'll be given to someone who makes themselves available who positions himself to be used by God to be a vessel for whatever it is he wants to do that day. Hallelujah. So to help us better understand these gifts, we're not going to look at them, but that would take way too much time. Um, These nine supernatural gifts, but you can divide them into three categories. Um, It just helps us understand them better. There's the utterance gifts. The utterance gifts say something. They're prophecy, uh, various kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Those are the utterance gifts. Then there's the power gifts. The power gifts do something. The gift of faith, the gift of healings, the gift of miracles. And sometimes they overlap. Like in Acts where Peter and John healed this guy who was lame from birth, never walked, and normally you have to do some rehab. Those muscles and stuff were never developed. This guy was always carried there. But he was instantly jumping and leaping and run into the temple with him and followed him. That was a miracle, a gift of miracles. Plus healing. A lot of times they overlap. So the power gifts are gifts of faith, gifts of healing and gifts of miracles. And there's the revelation gifts. They reveal something, a word of knowledge. A word of wisdom, the of spirits. So I have a question. Which one of these gifts do you desire to be used in? Which one do you desire to be used in? Which one do you desire to be used in? You'll be surprised if you're just willing to make yourself available, what God will do. There's a very important scripture that we have to look at in um, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 14, 31 and 32. It says, For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits, talking about our spirits, of the prophets are subject to the prophet, are subject to your will. So the Holy Spirit can give you a gift, but if you're not willing to use it, it won't be used. He will not supersede your will. Mm. So we participate with the Holy Spirit by being positioning ourselves to be used by him And then stepping out when he gives us a gift. Because it's going to bless somebody or maybe the whole body. And like Daryl's words are most of the time for all of us. And they bless all of us. Hallelujah. So that's an important scripture. We need to understand that your cooperation is needed for the Holy Spirit to manifest his gift through you. Your cooperation is needed. Amen. And one more scripture, and then I'm going to give you some recommendations. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And this is Paul's (coughs) benediction to the church at Corinth. He says this in verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Can anybody guess what the word communion is in the Greek? Yeah, it's koinonia. Partnership that involves participation, interaction. So he's praying for the church at Corinth in his benediction, that they partnership with the Holy Spirit. Commune with Him. Hook up with Him so that they can do the works that Jesus did and greater works. I've got a few recommendations here in closing um, that will help you to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. This isn't, you know, (laughs) verbatim or something. These are things that have helped me um, and that I've learned trial and error and so forth. Number one, I recommend that you incorporate time in your devotions every day for the Holy Spirit. Be sure you pray to Jesus, your high priest. Be sure you worship and do all the things that you're now doing. But set aside a block of time for just you and the Holy Spirit. And just tell Him how much you appreciate Him. How much you appreciate His ministry to you and through you. These kinds of things. Get to know Him. Just concentrate on Him for whatever that block of time might be. And you'll see that relationship develop. Number two, sure to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. In other words, yield your will to His will. I mean, these are things that we know, but uh, we don't always do. There's one thing about God, He's got a certain way He wants things done, and unless they're done that way, it don't work. <coughs> So, you want to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, especially in a service like we're going to have next week. You know, come prepared, spend time this week with the Holy Spirit, and come in here ready to use your gift, your gifting, um, His gifting through you to bless us. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Another thing you can do is practice listening to His promptings. And then obey them quickly. (laughs) Um, Because I've had the Holy Spirit years ago prompt me to do something, and I was ready to do it, and then the enemy comes in and says, well, you're going to look pretty foolish, you know, and this and that and the other thing, and, and then I backed away and didn't do it. And don't ever do that. When he prompts you to do something, do it quickly, because yourself that always wants to look good, and the enemy will talk you out of doing it. He'll bring fear in and all that kind of thing. And perfect love casts out fear. We're talking about a God of love who sent the Holy Spirit, who didn't have to, but did. So we'd have one beside him that was just like him. So we could do the things that he did and greater things, the Bible says. because Just because there's more of us. Hallelujah. So practice listening to those promptings and then obeying them. Ask for boldness to obey those promptings. Number four. Number five. Create an expectation in your heart that the Holy Spirit will use you. Create an expectation in your heart that He he will use you. If you just position yourself... Just make yourself available. There's all kinds of gifts in here that are waiting to be unwrapped. Hallelujah. Number six. This is a big one. Pray in tongues a lot. Pray in tongues a lot. Pray in tongues a lot because it puts you in position to be connected with the Holy Spirit it's like here you are you and the Holy Spirit within you but it's your will over here and it's the Holy Spirit here and when you pray in tongues those things merge together and you're positioned to be used by him you're in intimate contact with the Holy Ghost most people in the church don't pray in tongues very much even privately. And I'm trying to get better at doing that more. And number seven, remember your spirit is subject to your will. So you need to be willing to be a blessing. Love the rest of us enough to use your gift. Be willing to be a blessing to someone or to all of us however God is using you. In this way, it will help us learn to host the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's got a nice ring to it. I almost called, put that on a, um, for a sermon title, Hosting the Ghost. but I didn't think that was very respective, so I changed it to cooperating with the Holy Spirit. But we need to host the Holy Spirit. As we do that individually and yield to him, our will to his will, individually, we'll be cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And as we're all doing that, we'll corporately be of one mind and one accord. And you know what happened at Pentecost. We might have to get more fire extinguishers. You know? So Um, You just never know what God is going to do. Now here's the thing. In closing, let me just close first and then I, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for inspiring the word of God. We thank you. It never changes. You never change. The things that you did through Jesus, you will do through us. We thank you. We thank you that you want to help us, that you want to fill us, Lord God. And we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor in Jesus' name. So if you're here today and you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want to be, then come on up. It's really easy. All you do is ask. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's the one that does it. No man does it. And he uses men to lay hands on and stuff, but that don't even have to be done. But if you're here and you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want to be, now that you know it's God's will for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, just come up and we'll take care of that. Or if you're here... And you want to be filled afresh. See, because you're baptized, it's not a one-time experience. Yes, He's in there, but you have to be refilled. I heard somebody somebody said, we leak. (laughs) Well, we're ministering and stuff. We have to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. So, um, if you're here and you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, or you want to be refilled, just come up and we'll do that now. Just take a minute. All you have to do is ask and it's done. Anybody. I'm assuming everybody is baptized in the Holy Spirit because it is God's will for you and you can get to heaven without it but you miss out on a bunch of stuff and you'll miss out on using gifts through you that would bless the rest of us. So that being said let's just worship God and if you change your mind if somebody's here that isn't baptized in the spirit you change your mind just see me after the service we'll do it then it takes a few minutes all you have to do is ask Amen